Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warriors Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 31 years. I had so much fun in surgery yesterday. I can't wait to tell you all about it. I fixed a rotator cuff in a 78-year-old man, but that tendon was like a 30-year-old. And the stitches that I put in to bring it back to the bone it ripped off of was like me fixing a 30-year-old. He's going to do so great, and he's 78 years old. And yesterday, people are going skiing left and right. And particularly when they go left and then right, suddenly they tear their ACL. So here we go again. I had another ACL yesterday. But I want you to understand the difference between women and men and why they tear their ACL so more frequently. We'll get into that coming up a little bit later in the show. The number is 877-710-ESPN. I'm so excited for today because my guest is calling in from Australia. I don't even know what time it is in Australia. At 8.15, you don't want to miss it. He makes the greatest surfboard leash. What is that? Well, when I go surfing, which I did three times this week because of COVID, I didn't operate Monday and Wednesday, and I went surfing in addition to Sunday. I ride my board, but attached to my ankle is a cord, a leg rope, a leash, so that when I wipe out, it doesn't fly into some other surfer in the water, and that I can also retrieve the board. It doesn't float away from me with another wave so it keeps the swimming to a minimum, which you might argue is the exercise. But let me tell you, when the waves are pounding, you need to get on your board right away. Otherwise, bad things can happen. My guest is named Bo Campy. And his company, Creature Leashes, they make the best leashes in the world. And thanks to the great Jared Abrams, we got Creature surfboard products and surfboard leashes as our guest at 8.15. But it made me think all week, this device saves your life, particularly when a wipeout occurs, because it's attached to the surfboard and attached to your ankle. But there are cases where it actually is a liability, where the rope itself can get wrapped around a rock, particularly if you surf at a reef, and actually hold you down and keep you from coming to the surface. Well, this very thing happened in December of 1994 to one of my favorite surfers. His name was Mark Fu. He was only 36 years old. He flew with Ken Bradshaw and Brock Little, some of the biggest big wave surfers coming out of Hawaii. They caught a plane because they knew the sets would be huge in California at a spot called Mavericks. They flew all night, got to the beach, and the waves were massive. And on this particular day in December of 1994, Mark Fu caught a wave, fell off the wave, got buried under the ocean. But instead of that surfboard leash saving his life, it wrapped around a rock and he died. And it made me think all week, how important the safety device of a leash is in 99% of the times, it's saving your life. But here it didn't. And you know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports and the world of surgery. Where in the world of art and music do you see the surfboard leash? And where do you see it save people? And where do you see that cord kill somebody? Well, in 1970, the group, the Los Angeles group, two of the members went to UCLA. I'm talking about the Doors, Jim Morrison, Ray Manzarek, John Densmore, Robbie Krieger, the Doors. They wrote a song called Riding on the Storm. And in a minute, you're going to hear Ray Manzarek, when he was still alive, talk about how they created this song. So if the ocean is music and the surfboard is a song where is the leash the leash is that black electrical cord attached to the microphone 
Each of them took a turn contributing to the song. It's as though that surfboard, the song, they each got a chance to ride that same surfboard, but it involved each of them taking turns putting the leash on their ankle so that they can help create that song. And in a minute, you're going to hear about it. And in medicine, when I was in medical school, I delivered babies because you do a rotation in OBGYN. That umbilical cord that attaches the mother to the baby is the nourishment the baby needs, the oxygen the baby needs. Well, I was there for a delivery where that umbilical cord that gives the baby life wrapped around that baby's neck and died. I think it's a metaphor for life. You create a leash for safety, but you also have to be careful because what could save you could also kill you. And we'll get into that in just a minute. Clapper vision has got to be about Patrick Mahomes. Don't you remember Patrick Mahomes dislocated his kneecap on the field? Popped it back into place on the field. And a week later, he was playing again. Many of you have had your kneecaps dislocated. What exactly is going on? Why can you pop it back in place, not need surgery, and be back in the Super Bowl? I'll explain and it will involve riding a horse. We'll get into that clap of vision when the clinic's open at 7.30, start lining up and I will take your calls and I definitely wanna talk about surgery this week and a place to eat. When I went surfing on Wednesday, I was so hungry. What's the greatest thing that you can have after you surf? Tamales. I had the greatest tamale I've ever had and I'm gonna tell you where it is and it tasted extra good because it was after the cold water was coming off my face after surfing. But let's get into today's show. We have the great Laura Romo sitting in for Steve Paulette, and I can't wait to do this show with her. Let's go first to the story of the surfboard leash, December of 1994, Northern California. The spot is called Mavericks, and Mark Fu, visiting from Hawaii, rides this monster of a wave. Let's go to number one. That day was amazing to have the Hawaiians paddling out. Brock Little, Mark Fu, Kim Bradshaw. My gosh, I was like a proud parent or something like that, you know, because uh, they gave the spot that I've surfed for so many years the credibility to actually come and surf it. Helicopters were hovering and photographers from all the mags were there. And, I mean, it was just crazy. We knew it was like the day. This is one of the best days of surfing I've ever had out there. Those voices, the guy telling the story in the beginning is a guy named Jeff Clark, who surfed this spot for years and nobody knew about it. Because when you go up the 101 up the California coast, the highway leaves the shoreline for a significant amount of time and hidden out there in the ocean is this spot. So nobody ever saw it. You also heard the voice of Peter Mel, who just surfed a 100 foot wave at Mavericks. These are the best guys in the business. They're still alive thanks to the leashes that they wear that saves their lives when you wipe out at a wave like Mavericks or any wave. Let's listen to number two. We were uh, heading back in the boat toward the harbor and I saw some kind of looked just like a big clump of something, you know, as we we're, you know, passing it and pointed it out and said, hey, that, that looks like a body, you know, and um, you know, sure enough, we stopped the boat and just realized that it was, you know, Mark Fu. Mm. Now you'll hear Jeff Clark again, the man who discovered Mavericks, who invited the Hawaiians to come surf with him on this monster day in 1994. Talk about that day. Number three. It went from the most pleasant, beautiful, plate glass, sunshiny day to the clouds moved in, it got dark, the wind came up, and it was just, you know, like we lost a great warrior. One of our surfers, one of our own, was gone. To have that winter when Mark Fu passed away, that was, that was a heavy hit to everybody. That was Peter Mel talking. Now you're gonna hear Dr. Mark Reniker. He's a doctor, but he's also a surfer at Mavericks, and he's gonna tell you how he thinks Mark Fu died, how the, the leash, the leg rope wrapped around the rock 
and kept him from coming to the surface. Number four. I think he got caught on the bottom. The reason I think his leg rope got caught in the rocks is that on the next wave, Brock Little and Mike Parsons wipe out. Parsons comes up and Brock was behind him. In later interviews, Parsons said, I felt Brock trying to get to the surface. But what he didn't realize at the time, Brock was up. And, he, you know, it was Fu trying to get to the surface, which kind of, you know, kind of confirms that he was being held down by something. Mark Lineker actually went to the autopsy. And it confirms that he probably was kept under the water by the leash wrapped around the rock. Number five. There really wasn't any discernible injury. He had a slight scratch on his forehead. Um, his countenance actually was not that of one who had sort of struggled or who had been in anguish. I felt surfing at Mavericks the years prior to that, that someone was gonna die. I didn't think it was gonna be Mark Fu. I thought it would be somebody who didn't know what they were in for. Mark Fu, many people felt was invincible. At the time, he was one of the most famous big wave surfers of all. And you wonder if a guy like that can die surfing because of his leash, do you give up on it? No. It's 99.9%. It's a lifesaver. And a lot of the innovation, the creature, the company you're going to hear at 815, that they've come up with, the material they make the leash from, the swivel so that it can rotate and not get bound up. These guys are at the forefront of designing the leash. You're not going to give up on it. You need it. But don't rest all your trust just because you have a leash on. You still have to be able to swim, save yourself, and be prepared to unwrap it if it's wrapped around a rock or pull it off your ankle if you have to, because otherwise it'll kill you. Number six. Mark Fu was this kind of guy who was larger than life to us, you know, a guy who, who was more invincible than any of us, who had more experience than any of us. He's the guy that said, hey, to catch the ultimate thrill, you gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. Everyone wanted to understand what killed him. That was important because they were trying to assess the risk in the face of their sudden mortality. As it sunk in, I didn't think that could happen. Like, I literally didn't think that that could happen. I thought I was invincible. You know, I didn't think I, I could, I thought I could just huck myself over any ledge and, and, and pop back up laughing, you know? And I think a lot of big wave riders have that belief. When I see patients who have fallen off their motorcycle in an accident, and I've got to put their bodies back together again orthopedically, which is, by the way, a lot of the time. After I fix them, I'll say to them, so you're going to get rid of the motorcycle? A few of them say yes, but most of them say, nope, I'm getting back on the motorcycle. Thanks to you, Dr. Clapper, you can always fix me if I hurt myself again. But they have such a passion for riding a motorcycle that it doesn't scare them. So you'd think at Mavericks, after Mark Fu dies, some guys would second guess, maybe I shouldn't be going out here anymore. But you'll hear Matt Washburn, one of the greatest surfers, along with Peter Mel, who surfs Mavericks, talk about, I was scared, but I did go back out. And there it was, the most beautiful wave coming right at me. And I wrote it. And that's when I realized Mavericks is for me. It's awesome to listen to them talk about what goes through their head, knowing that Mark Fu died because of Mavericks, but they're still back out there. Number seven. It turned the clocks back to 10 years before when I'm sitting out there at the peak by myself with my own thoughts. I wasn't sure I wanted to surf Mavericks after that. So when I went back out there, I wasn't sure if I'd be spooked or not. And I ended up, hey, you know, the wave came to me and it was like, yes. Mavericks said to me, you want to be here. Here's your wave. I caught a great one. 
everything was good. It's the way I thought it was. But I always knew that it could kill me, that it can kill anyone. You take your chances. But that's what life is all about. We're in the world of art and music. Do you see this clapper vision, this idea of the surf leash? Well, if the music is the ocean and the surfboard is a song, the surf leash that connects the surfer to the board is that black cord from the microphone. Each member of the doors took a turn writing that song. R-I-D-I-N-G, not W-R-I-T-I-N-G, writing this song, writing this surfboard. They're attached to that surfboard through that microphone cord, through that leash. It saved the other three members of the band, but it actually cost Jim Morrison his life. We'll get into that coming up next on the Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. The Beatles called it a magical mystery tour, and each and every Saturday morning, you turn on this show and you'll hear my voice and you go, how is he going to connect the dots? How is he going to make music like the ocean? A song like a surfboard and a surf leash, the microphone cord. But buckle your seatbelt because here we go. Here's my thoughts about the surf leash in the world of art and music. Every Sunday morning, I meet my buddies and we go out into the mother ocean and surf. Well, one day in 1970, the four musicians of the Doors went into the rehearsal studio and Robbie Krieger starts strumming on his guitar, a cowboy song. Ghost Riders in the Sky is the name of the song. He's just strumming it. And Ray Manzarek says, wait a minute, that's a great song. That's inspiring me. The ocean is the music. He's now taking his surfboard. He's now taking the song. And he said, give me the leash. Let me strap the leash to this song, to this surfboard and jazz it up a bit. Jim Morrison hears the song. He sees Ray Manzarek riding this surfboard. And Jim Morrison says to Ray Manzarek, give me the leash. I want to ride the board. I want to be involved in this ride, this song, this surfboard. Give me the leash. And Jim Morrison takes a poem that he's written and gives lyrics to the music from the guitar, from the keyboard. And John Densmore does the same thing with the drums. Each of them strap on to that surfboard, onto that song. And it creates one of the greatest songs ever written in rock and roll. But that fame and that fortune, that attachment to the song, to the music, gives them great fame and fortune but it also pulls Jim Morrison down. And when you hear the lyric a little bit in a few minutes, when he tells the woman in the song, you got to love your man, you got to take my hand, but actually it's pulling him down. A few weeks after Jim Morrison contributes his lyrics to this song, he flies to Paris and dies of an overdose. The leash kills him. That chord lit truly kills him. So let's get into it. This is so much fun. Let's do number one. So one day we're jamming in the studio, I mean in our rehearsal studio, in the Doors workshop before uh, we got, uh, before we started recording. And uh, for some reason or another, Robbie was playing his twang guitar. And we were doing a old cowpoke went riding out on dark and windy day. And the Jim said, I got lyrics for that. I got lyrics for that. They're in their studio. They're in the ocean. The surfboard is the song. The microphone cord is the leash. And they each take a turn. Number two. And he had uh, riders on the storm. 
riders on the stone. And I said, wait, wait, okay, that's great, man. Riders on the stone. We can't, but we can't do to we can't do Vaughn Monroe, or the old cowpoke run riding out one dark and windy day. So I said, let me see what I can do with this. Mm. Listen to how they're strapping the leash onto that same surfboard, the song. Number three. We got to put some jazz to it, make it dark. And sure enough, this is what happened. But before we get to that, Oh, 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 Jerry Sheffs, when he, when he comes in, we've got the whole thing together. And Jerry Sheffs says, what's the bass line? I said, like, simple. E minor, A major. He said, oh, man, that's impossible. It's a little harder for this guy, Jerry, the bass player, who's not part of the band, to strap that leash onto his ankle, to strap himself to that microphone, to build the board together, to ride that surfboard together. But... Ray Manzarek says, too bad, you may have tr trouble strapping it on, but you got to strap it on because that's the only way you're going to ride this song. Number four. I said, what for you? That's not impossible. Let's look at this. It's like nothing to it. And he said, uh-uh, that's, that's on the piano, right? That's on the keyboard. Sure, that works great on the keyboard. There's nothing to it. Watch this on the bass guitar. And I don't know what the hell he did. He had to go through machinations like turning his wrist up virtually upside down, inside out, trying to play it. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, man, but it sounds so good. And it's so interesting <laughs> on the keyboard that you got to play this. And he went, okay, okay, I'll play it. And you can just feel them getting more and more inspired. When you're out in the ocean, you can just feel the waves, the sets coming. It's like a drug that takes over. He even makes it sound like it's raining on the keyboard. Number five. And here's the rain part. Mm. And the producer, Bruce, says, I'm going to add some real live thunder. Number six. Thunder. After we finish the song, he said, Oh man, I've got super rain and thunder. It's riders on the storm. It's raining on the desert, right? Yeah, exactly, Bruce. Raining on the desert. He said we got to put in some uh, uh, some rain and thunder. So sure enough, I mean the whole thing starts with, and then that bass line. Number seven. Another one. Ender Morrison. Riders on the stone. Riders on the stone. Into this house we're born. Into this world we're thrown. Like a dog without a bone, an actor out on loan, riders on the storm. Number eight. So it's basically a blues song. It's a one, four, five, except we change the five. And this insane part that Morrison sings, there's a killer on the road. Brain is squirming like a toad. Take a long holiday. Let your children play. If you give this man a ride, sweet family will die. Killer on the road. And now the guitar player of vibrato, Robbie Krieger, straps on the leash to this song, to the surfboard, Riders on the Storm, number nine. Yeah, Robbie. Great vibrato. 
staccato guitar. And here's the lyrics where I want you to pay attention. You got to love your man. You got to take him by the hand. The connection, the attachment, just like a leash to a board, just like the electrical cord to the mic. Number 10. And then Jim sings, Girl, you got to love your man. Girl, you got to love your man. Take him by the hand. Make him understand. His world on you depends. Our life will never end. Gotta love your man. Those surfers, they could reach down and grab Mark Fu's hand and pull him up. But not when his leash is wrapped around a rock. He ain't coming up. Number 11. He had the idea to make a movie about a hitchhiking killer. And that's, if you give this man a ride, sweet family will die killer on the road. But he couldn't, he couldn't leave it at that. He couldn't, the song was just too haunted and too beautiful. And almost, almost as if he had a premonition. And certainly he knew he, at this point, singing this vocal, he knew that he was going to Paris. He's going to Paris where in a few days he's going to die of a drug overdose. That leash, that cord, which saves the lives of those other singers of the doors, costs him his life. Number 12. You know, he knew he was going to Paris. He hadn't told anybody before we did this vocal, but he knew he was going to Paris. And he was singing his love to Pam and trying to wipe out in his mind and on the planet, that killer on the road. So he says, girl, you gotta love your man. Mm, number 13. Girl, you gotta love your man. Take him by the hand. Make him understand. His world on you depends. Our life will never end. What a great line that is. I mean, isn't that the ultimate love? His world on you depends. Our life will never end. Gotta love your man. Girl, you gotta love your man. Keyboard solo. She could take him by the hand, but she can't save his life. You can take Mark Fu by the hand, but you're not saving his life either. Next, number four. We're back on the highway. Riders on the stone. Jim's back in. Riders on the stone. Into this house we're born. Into this world we're thrown. Like a dog without a bone, an actor out on loan. Riders on the storm. Robbie plays some great guitar. And finally, you hear Jim Morrison whispering towards the end. Whispering as. The water's keeping you down. Just like Mark Reinecke saw, there was no real struggle in Mark Fu's countenance when he looked at the autopsy. Jim Morrison fading out underwater, the leash keeping him down. Finally, number 15. Jim and that haunted voice. Riders on the stone. Riders on the stone. Like he says, Jim Morrison had a premonition that that would be it for him. And a few days later, it was in Paris. The more I think about it, only on this show are you going to hear me connect a surfboard leash to Jim Morrison and the Doors. But truly, the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery, 
the idea of a leash, it's, it saves your life. But you better be careful because it can hold you down as well. Coming up next, I'll open the clinic. I'm going to take you into surgery as well. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And we'll get into Patrick Mahomes and his kneecap dislocation. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Why would the great Laura Romo be playing Aretha Franklin singing Chain of Fools? Because a chain is what a surf leash is. And that's what we're talking about today in art, in sports, and in surgery. That connection, the links on the chain. Great idea. We'll get into Patrick Mahomes and his knee dislocation. Right now, let's go to Mitch. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? How's it going, doctor? How are you, Mitch? Uh, Calling in from New Jersey, man. You're pretty good, I think. I'm glad you because I wouldn't want to do your surgery. They don't pay you enough. <laughs> I'll take they it. pay us uh, just fine. Listen, my dad was a carpenter. I know what hard work is like. I enjoy and love my career. 32 years, over 15,000 surgeries. But don't discount what everybody else does. Listen, you just want to enjoy your life. What you get paid, to be honest with you, is secondary. You want to make sure every day you get up and you can't wait to have a life, to have a day, and you only just get one. Now that I'm 63, I, I realized every time I see my daddy go, Robbie, God gave me another day. That's all I got. I go, stop talking like that. What do you mean one day at a time? He goes, yep, that's, that's right. how you got to live your life. And now Living a I know exactly what he's talking about. One day at a time. I don't know about tomorrow for you or me, Mitch, if it's going to be. But I know we got today. We got this moment right now. And it's the greatest thing in the world. How can I help you? What's happening to you? Well, like that, uh, uh, Jake Alice on the title, um, you get you get younger as I get older. It seems. No, you're not. <laughs> I, I can see you surfing with headphones, listening to the music. Surf over here right now. It's about 25. We're gonna get another storm, and then it's gonna become 19. They'll put 30 years back on you. They should double your pay. I dare you to surf over here in uh, off Jersey or, or <laughs> my father's neck of the woods. Okay, um, you know, 30 years, that's how much time I spent. And I'm getting my hip replacement. And my boss told me it's going to be, uh, what, three to six months. That means I must go work with Dr. Cole. I don't know if you know him. Maybe you went to school with him. I'm just no. joking on that part. It's, and it's not a union. Um, he said three <laughs> so I'm going to be displaced. and I put my route in either when I'm ready. And it's going to be according to the doctor's terms, not the status company. The doctor's terms when I'm. So I'm doing rehab as soon as I come up to surgery. That's the most important part people tell me. Um, once he, once he gives you the green light, Mitch, and the wound is healed, then you tell him, Dr. Clapper said, get in the pool. Did you get the book that I wrote with Linda Yui, Heal Your Hips? Yeah, I think I have it somewhere else, but there's no pools around here. I have, I have a bad experience with pools. But any other oh, right. guys, Webby. You, you got a stationary bike at home? Yeah, I got something, yeah, I got something like that. Yeah. Okay. You're going to need to rehab it afterwards because you're bringing back to life the muscles that deteriorated living with that horrible hip of yours. Now that you'll have a new smooth surface, you're, you're not recovering from surgery, Mitch, as much as you're recovering the muscles that wasted or atrophied living with that haunted house for 10 years beforehand. That's what the rehab is all about. The recovery is quick, no doubt. But in reality is, it takes a year. It takes nine months to have a baby. Why so long? Because God didn't ask me. It takes a whole year to bring all that life back to your hip. Every day, every week, every month, you'll get stronger. But it won't be till it's a year that you can say, all right, now I am where I'm at. Until then, enjoy the ride of every day getting stronger and not having that pain that tortured you for so long. We're going to be praying for you, and thanks so much for checking in with us, Mitch. Appreciate it. God bless you. All right, Warriors, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes. How could you dislocate your kneecap on the field and have it pop back in and a week later be playing again without surgery? And it's because, and here's the clap vision, your kneecap is like the head of a horse as a horseback rider. You're sitting in the saddle. It's not like you have a steering wheel on a horse making it go to the left or go to the right. 
How do you steer a horse? Well, you have leather straps. One strap's in your left hand, the other strap is in your right hand. If you don't pull on the strap, the horse's head is facing forward. You don't have to tell a horse to ride straight. But if you wanna have that horse turn to the left, you pull on the rein, that leather strap, you pull his head to the left, he turns to the left. Same thing for the right side, a leather strap on the right. That beautifully balances the horse's head when you keep the same force, the same pull on the left and right hand, the horse's head goes straight. Well, imagine your kneecap is the head of a horse. You, believe it or not, underneath your skin, if you feel your knee right now, feel your kneecap. Now feel just to the right and just to the left. We call it medial versus lateral side of the patella, the kneecap. What you're feeling underneath the skin, just to the side of the bone, is something called the retinaculum. It's almost made of leather, more like canvas, I would say, but it's a strap literally attached to, to the horse's head, literally attached to the kneecap on the medial side and on the lateral side. It's, it's Velcroed into the bone, those leather straps on the right and left side. And they need to be perfectly pulling the kneecap at the exact same pull. That's what keeps the kneecap riding true, riding down the center. But when Patrick Mahomes was tackled, he ripped the medial retinaculum, the big toe side of the kneecap, that leather strap. Guess what happens? You now fire your quadriceps muscle. That leather rein pulls laterally on the little toe side. It's still intact, but it doesn't have the other side to counterbalance it. So if you pull that horse's head with just the right side, it now schleps his head only to the right side and dislocates the kneecap out of the midline position. What we do as surgeons is we immediately will straighten your knee in full extension and manually pop the kneecap back into the groove down the center. Now it can dislocate again if you start moving it right away. So we put you in a brace. And what happens underneath the skin? The knee gets swollen. Why does it get swollen? Because when you rip the medial retinaculum, it bleeds. That's what the swelling is. The swelling is blood. But just like cutting your forearm, cutting your skin, it bleeds. It makes a clot. It makes a scab. It scars down. And it doesn't even look like you cut yourself a year later. That process that you can visualize cutting your skin happens internally. You don't need an operation. Your body will do its own operation. And that's what happened to Patrick Mahomes. It got popped out back into place. The two raw ends of the torn medial retinaculum bled, made a clot, made a scar, and bolted his kneecap back to where it was before. A week later, he's playing again. Do we always get away with no surgery? No, but I am a very conservative surgeon. If you came to me with a dislocated kneecap, I'm not letting anybody stick cortisone shots in your knee. You're not having surgery right away. You're gonna have it put back into place. You'll get into a brace. You can put full weight, crutches for comfort, let it scar. You'll do some physical therapy and you'll be good as new. So think about that. If you or any of your family dislocates their kneecap, you remember, you get to be an AAD. You know what that stands for? Also a doctor. You'll tell him, Dr. Clapper once said, you don't have to have surgery for this. Despite the fact that five other people are telling you you have to have emergency surgery. No, let the body do the healing. All right, coming up next, we'll take a break, pay some bills. I'm going to take you into surgery. One of the most fascinating rotator cuffs I repaired yesterday in a 78-year-old. If you hurt your shoulder, let me know. 877-710-3776, 877-710-ESPN. And don't forget, I got to tell you where the best place for tamales are, in my view, 
particularly after I'm soaking wet in the freezing cold ocean. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's the great Sam Cooke. Why is Laura Romo playing Sam Cooke's chain gang? Because today we're talking about a leash. And at 8.15, I can't wait calling in from Australia, Bo Campy. Jared Abrams hooked us up with a company called Creatures. And they make the surf leash that I used three times this week when I went surfing. The surf leash connecting you to your surfboard, saving your life. But it also can be careful, keep you under the water as well. Wrapping around the rock and the surf leash in art, in the world of music, the doors, writing the song, Riders on the Storm. At the top of the hour, we'll get into it again, I'll explain. And I need to tell you about that tamale place. God, you know how many tamales I ate on Wednesday after I went surfing? I ate four of them. That's a lot of tamales. That's a lot, and Doc. I, I was. I wonder why in the middle of the night I had a little indigestion. But let me tell you, it was worth it. Two pork and two beef tamales. They don't make chicken at the place I'm going to send you to. And you know how they have that show on the Food Channel called Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives? This place is a dive, but it's so busy. You're never going to get sick from it. But it is so good. I don't know what those spices are that they use. It's so creamy and spicy and the texture of the masa, but chunks of pork and chunks of beef. The sauce was so red, it was like on fire. Man, was it good. And you're tired and you're freezing because you've been in the ocean. Trust me. I ate it in my car. I devoured it so fast once I got it. It was awesome. I'll tell you where that place is a little bit later in the show. It's quite exciting for me to meet a patient who's 78 years old, almost 80 years old. Shoulder pain, can't move his arm. I do an MRI, and one of the most incredible things about an MRI, more than obviously more than an X-ray, which only shows you the bone, but if you want to diagnose the tendon that lifts your arm up, the rotator cuff, you got to get an MRI. And I don't believe you need contrast, which is painful to the patient, and I don't think is necessary. That's just my opinion. Plenty of people order them with contrast. They're, as we say in Yiddish, gig is into hey, you're allowed to do whatever you want. But if you came to me, I'm not ordering dye injected into your knee, your shoulder, or your hip. You can see what you need to see, in my opinion, with just a regular MRI. But here's one of the most beautiful things about the current technology that we have. Because even the MRI machines continue to improve. Just like you got an iPhone 12 versus an iPhone 6, the technology keeps getting better. Apparently, the camera on the iPhone 12, and I have an iPhone 12, is so much better than the, you know, the one before. Same thing is happening in the world of MRIs. But as Dr. Ranawat taught me, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. You got to know what you're looking at. So when I look at the MRI and I look at them myself before I take care of somebody, the radiologist is great and they serve a key purpose in taking care of patients. But I don't care what they say. I'm looking at the study myself. And what I look for, which I was taught, because remember, it's 2021, right? I mean, we got all kinds of spacecraft and look at all the Tesla stuff that's being done. Can you imagine? The x-ray is still black and white that we use to take care of you. The CAT scan that we use to take care of you is still black and white. And the great MRI that we use, this study is still in black and white. The body's not black and white, it's color. Blood without oxygen looks blue. Blood with oxygen looks red. Cartilage is white. Fat is yellow. Tendons are white. I live in a world of color as a surgeon. When I open you up, trust me, it's like a Monet painting inside your body, filled with color. And yet, I'm supposed to make a diagnosis with a black and white picture. 
But the secret is understanding shades of gray. If it's a black and white picture, your MRI, the sweet spot, the secret sauce, the essence of who's good and who's great, who's the Kobe Bryant as a surgeon, is being able to understand the different shades of gray. And when you can read an MRI and appreciate this is a lighter gray, this is a darker gray, the light versus dark gray means circulation. So if I see the tendon that's torn, the rotator cuff, and it's light, it's got some white signal in it, then I know the circulation is not great. I could put all the stitches, I could repair that rotator cuff and put it back to the bone that it pulled off of. Clap revision or rotator cuff tear is like having a boat tied to the dock with a rope. The boat is your arm. The rope is the tendon. The attachment of the tendon to the bone is that metal cleat that the rope is tied around. You rip the rope or you rip the cleat off the dock, your arm ain't moving. That boat starts to drift, doesn't stay attached. The quality of the rope, is the rope worth repairing? Is it a healthy, good rope or is it frayed and famished, which is another Yiddish medical term. That's not something you can repair very successfully and will fail. So when I saw the MRI of this 78-year-old man, he's old. He's got altacocaritis. He's an old guy. He's an altacocker, as we say in Yiddish. But no, his MRI amazed me. He had the rotator cuff circulation quality, even though the tendon was torn, of a 30-year-old. And when I looked at it, I said to him, I'm going to fix this. I'm not throwing your arm in the trash and telling you to live with this. I'm not putting a reverse shoulder replacement into your arm just because you're 78 years old. I'm going to treat you like a 20-year-old skier, basketball player. I'm going to fix your rotator cuff. And yesterday, when I took him to surgery, arthroscopically, mind you, I didn't even open up his shoulder. He had a massive tear of the rotator cuff, pulled right off the bone. It was like looking at the rope, and it was had pulled the metal cleat right off the dock. But I knew from the MRI, better than seeing it with my own eyes, that this was tendon of quality, of thickness, of viability, that I could put a stitch in it, and it would absolutely hold the stitch and allow me to pull the rope back to the dock, and I could bolt the cleat back into the wooden dock. And that's what I did. In his case, because the tear was so massive, I had to use two cleats to reattach that boat, to reattach the tendon to the dock with the boat attached. And the technology, I have six patents. I've invented a lot of tools that are used all over the world to do hip and knees or millions of cases all over the world have used the tools that I designed and patented. But I didn't patent and I didn't design the tool I used yesterday. But you know who did? And he lives here with us in Los Angeles. He's a great friend of mine and his name is Neil Elitrosh. Takes care of the Dodgers and the Rams. He's an innovator. He's, a, he's an artist, like I pride myself in being as a sculptor. I used a tool that he invented called a swivel lock. What a tremendous advance to be able to arthroscopically put that cleat back into the bone without having to open up his shoulder and to be able to tighten the sutures so that the rotator cuff is exactly back to where it used to be on the bone. We have such an elegant word. I just love words. Probably why I love being on the radio. 
what we call the area where the tendon came from on the bone, where it ripped off the bone. You know what we call it? We call it the footprint, the footprint of the tendon, which is such a beautiful term. Because what I need to do is put the tendon back to where God put it. I'm not putting it anyplace else. It needs to be in, to a millimeter exactly back. So if you've had rotator cuff surgery and you did not have a good outcome, I will bet you dollars to donuts. And you know how much I love donuts. Good time donuts, Ventura. That's where I go. Ask for Sue. Tell her Dr. Clapper sent you. I would bet dollars to donuts that they did not put your tendon back to the footprint, which you can see with the arthroscope where exactly the tendon came from. Don't be a hero as a surgeon. Don't try to put it someplace else. Put it exactly back where it came from. And if you do, then you end up with a great result. Then you end up with patients who can high five you after you fix their rotator cuff because they can lift their arm comfortably and pain-free above their head because you put it back to the exact correct spot. That's why I love words. Can you imagine calling the ocean music? Can you imagine calling a song a surfboard? Can you imagine calling a surf leash that's wrapped to your ankle, the electrical cord attached to the microphone? And writing a song is like riding a wave. Only on this show you can hear it. It's such a joy for me each and every Saturday to talk to you. And thanks so much for telling your friends and family. Coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories. The surf leash in the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery. And at 8.15, we'll be talking to a man who knows a lot about making the perfect surf leash from creatures. Bo Campy. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN.